Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poulin, and with me, John Duke. We've got a little bit of a weekend review for you because... The Celtics still trying to beat up on the Warriors, almost get it done. Sure, they came out on fire uh, without Marcus Smart. We'll be talking about him, Jason Tatum, and the rookie wall. I think it's for real now. All you naysayers from a couple of shows ago, John. And then also the trade deadline is only 10 days away. February 8th is right around the corner. Celtics proving in that Warriors game, that's where we'll start it off on today's show, proving that maybe they've got a real shot at competing, not only in the postseason and maybe getting through the Cavs, but if they do get to the NBA Finals, then I think they showed that they can compete with this Warriors team they have in previous years, even without Kyrie Irving, who had just a miraculous effort in that game. And I feel like the ball still swung around, just not a lot of guys who could put it in the bucket necessarily when the game was on the line or definitely with that second unit. That's really been a struggle for this team, John. They, yeah, I think, I think even before going to the, your, your second point there, I think the first point is the one that's most important, which is they took a punch to the face, the strongest punch maybe that the Golden State Warriors can give them in that they get an almost 50-point performance from Steph Curry. Even in all these games that the Celtics have played, tough games they played against Golden State, both the first one four, well, I guess it would be two years ago where they lost the first game at home and they go to Golden State and win. Then last year, you know, obviously tough games there, um, playing both in Boston and in Golden State, winning the one in Boston to start this year, now here going there. In none of those times did we see Steph Curry kind of go off, do that Steph Curry thing where he goes supernova. We got it. We got it in spades here coming in on Saturday night in Oakland. But Celtics still had a chance to win that game. And there was a lot of reasons why you got to stand back and say, geez, there was a, even after that, you got to feel really good about the Celtics' chances. Didn't get a great game out of Tatum. It's got a pretty good game out of Jalen Brown. Kudos to him. I would say a great game, game out of Jalen Brown. Come on, but, let's let's say a great game out of Jalen Brown. He played phenomenal, especially he likes being out on the West Coast. I don't know what it is, but he plays well out there. Must be because he went to college. I'd love to say it's his home, but it's not. He grew up in Atlanta, but he loves the West Coast. Always seems to do well. I also loved his control around the rim. I'd say that was an area you tend to see him get out of control, especially when he plays aggressive and starts to attack the basket. And yet here we see a player who is very much under control in that game and also dropping his three-pointers that was fantastic and you talk about competing they really did shut down clay thompson although i think they wanted clay to play more of the defensive assignment in that game so i'm not going to completely trash him for not being uh the player that was going off offensively because the celtics defense definitely one of the strongest in the nba the stats are no joke 50 games into the year but then you also have kevin durant who really did not have a very good game either. You're going to run into Curry. You're going to run into him a lot. And it makes you think, and I'm jumping the gun. We're not ready to talk about Marcus Smart, but it makes you think when that second unit was uh, going through those rotations and going through those stumbles that a defensive dog-minded Marcus Smart would have helped them quite a bit. Yeah, and, and you know, just I'm kind of pouring through the advanced 
box score stuff on on going on a basketball reference right now. And you're right. I mean, Jalen Brown, his offensive rating that game was 144. The downside is his D rating was 121, which was the worst of all the starters and only just a little bit above Shemi Ojale's 123 in terms of being the worst of all the Celtics players who played. Now, come on, let's give him some credit. He's going up against Clay Thompson, you know, Kevin Durant. Those are the guys he's defending. That's not an easy matchup, no matter what well, you do. Well, and he was drawing the difficult matchup on most of those possessions, too. Sure, um, absolutely. That, that was, that's the other thing. And with an offensive juggernaut, really four awesome all-world players. I mean, the four all-stars yeah. for the second year in a row, that's never happened in the NBA. So there you go. You've got a team that is really – it, it's a team that'll never be recreated again. They'll never let the salary cap allow that to happen in our lifetimes anyway, John, ever again. That's a one-time shot there. And yet the Celtics, despite a couple of bad possessions and a really crazy three-pointer from Steph Curry, were in that game the whole way through. They just let it slip away with about a minute and 40 seconds left. But had they made just a couple of extra plays down the stretch, they could have taken that one. And that could have been 2-0 and against the Warriors on the year. And that would be what a – I still think they walk away from that game feeling good about themselves. I mean, Steve Pet wrote about it in the Herald. Look, this would have been the Celtics' best game of the year from Steve's perspective. I'm not sure I'd go that way. I'd probably go with maybe the first win over Golden State and, and how varied they were. That was a good game both from – from Horf, everybody. I think everyone touched that one. Tatum had a Tatum good game. Yeah, Tatum had a good game the night. first time. But yeah, but he he really did kind of really really struggled in this second matchup. He did the two for nine. He he had a good night against against the Clippers uh, there on Thursday night or Wednesday night Wednesday night. And I, you know I think that that's that's a sign perhaps of some of the stuff we talked about uh, last week, but. Yeah, I mean, really, when it comes right down to it, you know, he was he took a real back seat here compared to some of the guys. On the, I mean, Terry Rozier had a, had a, hit a big three that really not just Terry Rozier. He, poor Daniel Tice gets lost in that discussion because of yep. Rozier's three. But if you actually want to look at where the game was at when Tice hit that, I think it was about four or five minutes left in the game, and they were kind of falling behind. And then Tice hits this huge three pointer. He's not afraid to hit to shoot that, take it. But even in the clutch like that for a 25-year-old rookie coming over from overseas, totally reigns a tray. And you also got to give a little bit of love to Shane Larkin, who I thought played admirably. Admirably, Would I rather have had Marcus Smart still? Absolutely, especially down the stretch. But Larkin took it to Kevin Durant on one play and was able to get by him off the first step and lay in off the glass. I mean, that's that's not easy to do, especially when you're kind of an end-of-the-bench guy on the rotation, even for a team as good as the Celtics. Yeah, and, I, and, you know, I, and I'd say that Larkin's performance – a lot of great performances out there. Let, let me ask you this question because, you know, one thing that kind of came out of that, of course, there were the, the plays near at the end, the bunnies that, that one was a great play by Durant. The other was just a miss by, by Morris. Is Marcus Morris kind of looking too much for that shot? And I think they need offense and I think he's got to provide that. But you look at a guy like Jalen Brown who's got 20 points, six for nine shooting, getting to the line, doing a lot, not really getting the ball in his hands, not getting opportunities. Is it, do you want to force him when he's playing well to give him more opportunities? Or is it, that's just a little bit out of his, out of his comfort zone. It seems like the Celtics like to say, get what you can on your opportunities, uh, but you are who you are as a player. 
And it doesn't allow people to kind of grow out of that. And I wonder, a game like Saturday night, you want to see, geez, you, he shouldn't be the guy with like the fifth most shots, you know, when he's got 20 points and six for nine. Whereas, you know, Marcus Morris is tied for the second most shots and he, he had only hit 33% of them. So what do you feel about that? I mean, should they be pushing the envelope with some of these guys when they have the hot hand? Um, probably to a degree, but I think one of the things I loved about that Warriors game is that they did keep moving it around to help take some of the attention off. And I thought when we talked last week that that was something we identified as a major struggle for this team recently is that they had stopped doing that. So I think you got to stay with it. The issue with Marcus Morris is, you know, he's a matchup starter or a matchup finisher in the game, depending on how it's going, but he's not. He's not somebody who should be starting or finishing games on a regular basis necessarily for a team that's going to be in the finals, right? I love him, but I think he's more of a stabilizing presence off the bench, on the second unit, and then if the matchups dictate, you pull him in. Unfortunately, due to injuries and Tatum's slump, that's what happened. In the end of that game, they had to have Terry Rozier because of the absence of Marcus Smart and because of Tatum's poor performance, they had Marcus Morris out there. I think ideally what they would rather have done was keep Tatum out there were Tatum the player that he had been in the first matchup and most of the season till recently and then had Morris out there. But that would have given them additional offense. Morris could have focused on defense a little bit more, and I think that would have given them some strength. I think that's more what they were looking for. And if Terry had also still had the hot hand, maybe it would have been Terry instead of Morris out there. But that's how I kind of feel about it. Keep the ball moving around. Um, it's, it's key. I will say this too, though. When you look at Tatum's struggles and you know that you want somebody like Morris on the bench filling in for a struggling Tatum or just in general due to injuries, it only enhances the fact that when Hayward comes back, and I'm not even saying if anymore, and I know Brad came out on Sunday and said we're not expecting him back this year, blah, 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 blah. Let us use the eight million and not get into any trouble. But really at the end of the day, the kid's coming back, man. And here's the exciting thing. If they do see Golden State again this year, it won't be until June. So they, they can actually have him take his time in the postseason as he gets right. If he's back out there practicing with the team by the end of March, he still has two months before he has to hit his stride for the finals. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm pretty excited. I want to come back and talk a little bit about the week in review. But first, I want to remind everybody that you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live as well as your host, you can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke, and the entire CLNS Media Network is at CLNS Media Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And don't forget to download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the garden report, as well as the Celtics round table a couple of favorites of ours and then i john we got to go back to the weekend review i'm excited about hayward i'm only going to tease it we're actually going to focus a little bit more on trade deadline on this show because there's a little bit of heating up going on there first rumor to sort of break i guess not quite break but we'll get to that in a second but i want to look back at the other couple of games i didn't get to watch either the lakers game or the clippers game they were late games and i was traveling myself for work but I saw your tweet from the Lakers game <laughs> about how all of a sudden 
January 31st, 2007, turned on its head. I love it, dude. Tell me. Well, it, it's – look, for the, the folks who haven't been longtime listeners of the show that go back more than a decade, uh, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Here's the here's the setup. Justin's at the game. Lakers, Celtics at the Fleet Center at that point in time, I believe. I don't believe it was TD Garden at that point. Fleet Center. Justin's there. You were covering the game, correct? You were not there as a spectator. You were there covering the game for no. CSU. I think I did no. go. I think I did go as a spectator because it was about a was it a month before I started using? It was. It was a month because it was okay. that horrible season. I didn't start yeah. using the credentials till that February. I went down. I met up with the gang green guys after the game, but I took the. I'm pretty sure I took the Amtrak, the old train, the uh, the down east. Down. There you go. Yes, yeah, the pretty down sure I took Easter. the down from Portland to the game. Went out with the gang green guys afterwards, and then caught caught the train home. I'm pretty sure that's how that went. I dare say that that was in a, in a season filled with an 18 game losing streak, 30 plus games missed by Paul Pierce due to an, uh, uh, an issue with his uh, elbow. Um, a year when Tony Allen blew out his knee, and there was a whole bunch of injuries. Al Jefferson's ankle; they couldn't figure out what was going on with there, and it turned out there were some issues. The worst in all that was that date when you were in, in there at the at the Garden, or at that point the Fleet Center. And there were MVP chants for one Kobe beating Bryant. And the show after that, we of spent... all players, Kobe though. Oh, oh, how long did we go through that <laughs> on that show? So how many shows have we brought it up since that show? I still oh. talk about that as the most painful moment that I have as a memory of being a Celtics fan. It was it was unacceptable. <laughs> That's all I so can say. Unacceptable. It's so so. It's not unfortunate you missed this. But 11, almost 11 years to the day, almost. I mean, you know, give or take a week. 11 years to the day, Celtics are playing at the Staples Center, the vaunted Staples Center, scene of many championships, scene of probably the worst Celtics loss of at least the last 20 years, going with the Game 7 2010, we all remember. And what happens? Kyrie goes to the line, and what do we hear? MVP. I would have thought your ears were burning at that point. I would have thought that you had some alert on your phone that would have gone off and said, oh, well, what's – wait, what? What is this I see? MVP for Kyrie at Staples Center? I mean, it just – it's – It's like the you said the before day. the show. It's so weird that we have the cool kid on the block. But I will say this before we <laughs> dive into – you know, what it takes to sell shoes and how much that means in this game. I want to talk a little bit about the fact that the Celtics didn't close it because guess what? January 31st, 2007, guess who closed it? Yeah, Kobe did in a blowout. Now we go to the struggling Lakers with a pick tied to that game and we drop an egg like that? We lose during MVP chance? That's kind of sad. John, it's sad. Well, just, it is because it's I, not total karma. It's not total retribution. It's like yeah, a, it's a semi-unsatisfying retribution. And I get it. it you know, yes. on its own plane, separated from wins and losses and everything else, there's retribution there. But you know, you still got to close, man. You got to close against one of the worst teams in the NBA. 
and and the Celtics, what was what was encouraging about it is the Celtics were digging themselves out. They had played well, and then Kyle Kuzma just just went supernova for a second, took over the fourth quarter, and Kuzma Nova, dang, yeah, it was it was impressive on his part, but really very unimpressive on the Celtics' part. Not rising to the challenge, not facing it, not going after it. It was a very poor performance to close that game out. Smart had a great game, um, and then you know he he did what I think he thought was the <laughs> Smart best had a great situation. game. The last the last great game for quite some time. We'll get to well, that in a second. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but I think you know he I think he made the second best call he could have made in terms of bringing it up and shooting it. Um, there was a chance he had to rose to give it to Rozier, who's obviously the better shooter and advancing the ball and all that. Didn't do it. Uh, Jared Weiss went through that really. Um, appropriately on his tw- on his Twitter feed. But, look, it didn't happen. They lost the game. But kudos to them. You know, you, obviously in the, in the melee, you get um, the concussion to Horford or, or the near concussion to Horford. And then they come back and play great against the Clippers the next night. And I think that's that has set the stage now, I think, where they played well against the Warriors. I think they've now recaptured who they are after the London trip. And I think we'll have a good run here through the rest of the way. Yeah, it is frustrating though that that almost concussion to Horford. That's scary, man. That's scary. He's been through that enough times. Just even as a member of a, of the Celtics, let alone an entire career, that that always gets me a little edgy, um, especially because, as you mentioned, your concern before the start of the year was depth on this team and how would the second unit be able to deal with it. The loss of Hayward really that was my kind of fix for that. I think they would have had plenty of depth without injuries, but they really can't afford to suffer the injuries they the way that they did earlier in the year. So let's talk about smart. Then we'll hit the midway point. We'll come back and talk trade deadline among other topics. But um, smart has some lack of details here, but has some sort of a hissy fit in the hotel, maybe hotel room. (laughs) A hissy fit. Yeah. It's a hissy fit. You don't go punching, you know, like, look, I can see the pictures behind you. There's some great Celtics, um, Photos. I have not swiped at any of them. No swiping going on behind yeah, me. Yeah, swiper. Guys. Well, no, no punching, dude. No, you know. Well, he called it a no swipe. Doctor. He called it a punch. He called it a swipe. So you don't break glass with a swipe, I, right? This is a swipe. You know, I couldn't break anything doing that. If I give it one of he these, he punched it, dude. He punched it. He's got lacerations. He's out for two weeks. There's a little bit of criticism at the end of the Lakers game, but there's a lot of bit of criticism on the year. This is his contract yeah. year. He wanted to get paid. This move could not have been more poorly timed. If anything, for those of you who like Marcus Smart and think that on his next contract he'll begin to, to really rise, it helps us believe that we may be able to get him on a bargain deal in the off season. It's certainly possible. It's not going to help him. The postseason will dictate what kind of a contract he gets. Ultimately, I think that's you know the the, the mid season matters quite a lot. But at this point, he set the bar pretty low. If he performs excellent in the postseason, then you know maybe he gets the cash. But I'm just telling you right now, John, that was the worst <laughs> thing that could have happened because what was the knock on him? Right. He, you know, but coming into the league, the knock was he couldn't keep it together, you know, and everybody loved his fire, but it reportedly had been very much under control. And I'm not saying, you know, punching a, 
you know, uh, he didn't punch a person. He didn't get into a tent Tony Allen scenario. You know, he wasn't at a nightclub shooting guns off. I, you know, I get that. Um, he didn't have the accusations that Avery Bradley currently has. Yeah, we haven't talked about that, and I'm not sure we want to. We but, don't because it's yeah. It's, if he was with the Celtics, we'd dive in. Because he's not, we're gonna let it go. We're just gonna right. cast that line and and let it sink. But but, but smart, does, does, does it's smart not a horrible. Celtics... But it right. just but because he's not playing to any substantial level above previous like before uh, above last year, it hurts his contract, and this doesn't help. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, you go back with Smart and you look at what he's done and what, you know, what type of year he's had. And this goes on top of it and it's, and it's visible and it's available and everyone's going to notice that Marcus Smart has, <laughs> that's the first thing that someone's going to talk to his agent about. What type of guy is this guy? What type of, you know, locker room guy? What is he really like? Yeah, I see what I see on the court, but he missed a game here. He's punched the wall in, in Washington. I saw the whole thing where he went after the the old guy in the stands at Oklahoma State. I mean, all that stuff is going to get thrown in his face. And I think he's been very upfront, very, you know, candid about what happened, what he says, what, you know, all of that. But when you're making a hundred million dollar or eighty million dollar, even a fifty million dollar decision about keeping somebody as a major player on your roster, those questions need to be really good. And, then, and on top of that, you need to have some numbers that, that you can live by. And right now, under 30% shooting from the field, uh, you know, uh, 35% from the, from the field outside of three point land, you know, that's not going to get it done. And if he's looking, you know, as somebody, I think it was on the, the Celtics Talk podcast on, on NBC. Um, SN or CSN, whatever they are. Uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle and, and Sherrod, and they're saying, you know, Sherrod was intimating that, you know, he thought that Smart was looking for something bigger than what Kelly Olenek got and bigger what, you know, basically bigger than any of the guys he's played with, bigger than the, the deal that Evan Turner got. So that's 17, 18 million dollars. So well, come on, let's like be 18, real. 20? They're all, they're all looking for that a max deal. Right. They're all looking for a max deal. It's definitely not happening for smart. And, and this, like I said, missing two weeks in the middle of a season because you can't keep your cool and not, even if you just punch the wall and not the picture. I mean, it's just, I have no idea what happened. We're never going to know. They'll keep it under wraps, but really bad move to just absolutely lose. I, I think it's what eight games that's on the docket that he's likely to miss. You know, and it's not like Tom Brady where he can just slap some tape over his hand and go out and be the man. The truth is, right now he's a glue guy. That's it. Glue guys don't make $20 million a year. I'm sorry. And glue guys who can't keep their cool definitely don't make $20 million a year because they're supposed to be the locker room presence. I love his fight. I'm not down on smart. I never thought he should get $20 million. However, he may not be with the roster at the end of the year, and we're going to tee that right up. But first, I'm going to tell you how Hoops fans, the trade deadline is right around the corner. How's that for a segue? And now that your favorite hardwood heroes have figured out their roster and know that they're going to make some moves if they're playoff ready, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball 
Ball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. You choose from public contests with huge cast prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. And they've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of a similar skill level. The best part is that you get to draft a new team each day, and that is the best part of fantasy. The only thing that's better is winning cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a 1000 bucks. That's right. Cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup and you can cash in. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, John, trade deadline. Rumors are breaking. Uh, go ahead. Why don't you tee it up for us? Well, I, I think the big one uh, that, that broke here, this is Sunday night where we're recording this. Uh, Ron Tillery from, uh, the Memphis Commercial Appeal, long time Grisby writer, guy that's been on the beat a long, 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 long time, uh, tweeted tonight, said, you know, uh, you know, not confirmed, but it appears that, you know, Tyreek Evans may be headed to the Celtics. Okay. Well, that's Curious timing. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I know the trade deadline's right, right around the corner. Marcus Smart's not going to play again between now and the trade deadline. That's all I'm going to say. And he's got a little bit of cash. He can make this, the salaries work. Maybe you throw in another pick. Definitely not a high pick. I don't think Tyreek's going to get a high pick, but maybe a couple of the Celtics actual own picks. When, you know, that, that maybe one, like, what are you going to give up for Tyreek Evans? Well, you know, it's, so this is like the one that sets the market, you know, which is kind of interesting. You know, we're two weeks. This is the first major deal if it happens. So what does it mean? It seems like every year there's the question, you know, what is a valuable role player um, worth? These expiring contracts, is it worth the first round or is it? And it feels like every year we over anticipate, we over, over, we expect, we, <laughs> we blow out the worth of these guys. And every year it seems like it gets less and less and less. Now maybe that's not the case because what we've seen with the cap that expiring contracts will have value. But for these types of players, it seems that hasn't changed. I think it's not going to be a first rounder. If it is anything, probably a late first rounder, maybe the Celtics own first rounder uh, this year, that could be a possibility. Um, but I'm thinking second rounder, late, late, late first rounder. I think that's all they're going to give up. And that's crazy to say for a guy who's averaging almost 20 points a game right now. He's, I mean, he's, he's playing great ball, probably the best ball of his career. And he's added the three point shot. He's right now, let's see, where is he? He's 38.8% from three point land. And I think I mean, his contract's only like three valuable, point, baby. I think his contract's only like 3.3 million, right? I mean, I think it's like a one year uh, deal, I think, right? No, it's not 3.3. I'm pretty sure he's around 6. Let me just bring it up. Yeah, go ahead uh, and look it up. No, no so I'm Smart's, sorry. You're right. 3.3. You're three, got so it. He's 3.3. Yeah. Yeah. Smart's 4.5. You're going to have to do the math for me. You know, Is that within 120%? I mean, that's a bargain deal. They don't add any salary. If they do it soon enough, they still get some bird rights out of that action, right? 
I don't think if they sign him for one year, if, if you sign him for a one year deal, they don't have bird rights. So that's I right. There's no bird rights because he has that one year deal, right? If he had been yeah. on a longer contract, they would have acquired him soon enough for that. But because of the one year, you know, he'll be gone after the end of the season. So this is a curious kind of rumor. And again, there's not a lot of teeth to it, but if there is any meat going with those potatoes, all I'm going to say is, that it's pretty curious timing. The Celtics may have just made their decision on Marcus Smart, and they'd be willing to move him for somebody like Tyreek Evans. I still think a late first rounder may have to be included, though. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't think not if it's for Smart. I mean, I think Smart's worth well more than that. I mean, he's he's got another but he, but, contract. There's no way. I, I I can't imagine they get Smart and a first rounder for him. That would be. You're I saying he has another year much. just because they'll have the right to match, not because he's yeah. actually. Yeah. I mean, look. I mean, here's I don't want to pay that though. That's the other well, thing. Like, that's well, just right. Saying. I mean, that's well. No, let's. Let, I think we should. I think we should kind of go down that road because what is Smart's value worth, right? Like, I look at him and say, okay, he's he's you know five my five million worth next year. The issue with Smart next year is he's got that he's gonna have that no trade clause if he doesn't sign with someone else. So his his value is compromised basically. After the deadline, his comp- his value goes way, way, way down unless he allows for a trade, which there's no real reason to do so. So it really makes sense to move him now if you're ever going to move him. If you're going to move him this summer, it's too late. You know, after he signs, or unless it's a sign and trade type deal, and then that's a whole other thing. If you're going to try to move him and have freedom of movement with him, this is the time you do it. But his value is, is difficult to assess because of that pending re- restricted free agency. I just don't think that they're going to – I don't think the Celtics want to sign him for big money. I don't think they feel like they can get him for, for the, the right amount of money. It's kind of an Isaiah situation in part. And I think also, I mean, thirdly, is his restricted free agent is so complicated because of the type of player he is. I, you know, I think that they're going to probably, whoever's going to get him is just going to get him for a low price next year and maybe hope to, you know, use that year as a, as a trial year to see if they'll, they could re-sign him. And Memphis might be the perfect place for him because they're not going to have their pick in 2019 and they're sure as heck not going to get that 2019 first round of the Celtics got in the, uh, the Jeff Green deal. That's not happening for sure. No, but I think that I think the Celtics would be willing to give up a first round pick as long as it's one of their later projected ones, like the ones that they owned, and mostly because Tyreek Evans really does solve that scoring off the bench issue, right? That I mean, that immediately plugs that in. If you get into the postseason and you get Hayward healthy, look at all the offensive options you have at that point. I guess the only concern is is that defensive drop in the postseason if they did move Marcus Smart for a scorer like Evans, how much does that hurt him? And and what do you think of Tyreek Evans' defense? I mean, it's not well, Marcus Smart like, but Yeah. Well let me understand what you're saying. Are you you say it's it's smart and the number one for Evans? I don't think Smart has any value, and Evans is going to help a playoff contender. So if the Celtics – listen, the reason the Celtics haven't made a lot of deals at the trade deadline is because you're buying high and you're selling low. That's always what happens at the trade deadline. Very Everything else gets worked out in the offseason, and they're going to be bidding against other playoff contenders. If they're in on this because they've decided that they're out on Smart in the offseason – why not throw a pick? They've got a ton of them. They've got a ton, ton of young kids. A late first rounder for the Celtics is just as good as a Celtics second rounder anyway. And to be able to be in that game, and like you just said, Memphis needs a pick back somewhere, then in, with all of those factors concerned, 
I just think, why not? You know, you're talking about bringing a player in who can provide that bench some stability when it comes to scoring. It can provide rest. And that's not even just in the postseason. Although it's very important, I'm just thinking, look at the potential for injuries pile up as this season goes on. Despite the fact that the schedule has relaxed, it really isn't going to work to be relying on Kyrie Irving the way the Celtics relied on Isaiah Thomas last year. And haven't we learned enough on that lesson? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think so. I, I think there's a lot of things to unpack. I think one, I think that what we've seen in the past history is the value of these guys coming over on these trades that join a team for four, five, you know, three, four months is not as great as we build it up to be. So I want to kind of knock down the opportunity of what, what we think we're going to get out of anybody we acquire here at the deadline. It just seems like everybody who's acquired at the deadline never shows up the way you expect them to. And we overhype it a bit. So that's why I'm, and that's why I want to tamper down the value of it. If you, you know, if you say, well, smart has no value. I don't know. I think he's got more value than that. I think he's got certainly more value than an expiring contract. And yes, Evans would have more value here, but he's a high usage guy. He's, he's almost 30% usage, um, for, for, uh, for the Grizzlies. So he's not going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Maybe in the second unit, maybe that's where he kind of fills that need. And then he's primary ball handler and, and it keeps Rozier. He'll get um, a ton of position, usage with but, that second unit. Yeah, get, but the, I mean, but it's a usage if you're, if you're rate. Not... That, that closing unit, he's not going to have the ball in his hands. So he's going to be a catch and shoot guy and maybe a secondary drive and kick guy. I, I just don't think he, if people are looking for the same numbers that he's getting in Memphis, I think they're going to be disappointed. I think the percentages may hold, but they're certainly not going to get the numbers, the almost 20 points per game. He's not going to be that guy here in Boston, I don't believe. Well, I don't know. I mean, no, he's not going to be 20 points per game, but you talk about usage rate and utilization, and the other thing is they need somebody to draw away from Kyrie Irving down the stretch. So if they're looking for scoring and they're looking to spread things out, he's your man in that regard. Um, yeah. I, what's his three-point shooting percentage? I don't see that, but we we know that that's a big so, factor. Yeah, 38.5, almost 39, 38.8. Well, 30, so, he's a good he's – he's, he's shooting the three well. So, and he fits yeah, what the Celtics are trying to do in that way. You know, yeah. that would actually help Al Horford a lot because, yeah. you know, one of the problems with this offense since Tatum got cold is now it's getting sticky. You know, the ball is sticking and they're not moving it around and they're not really hitting those three-point shots. I mean, Horford's – I think they said on the broadcast the other night he's seventh in the NBA in three-point percentage, which is great, but he doesn't take a lot and he facilitates a ton of the offense. And I just think having another three-ball shooter out there would do wonders with Tatum's drop-off the way it is. And even no, then, if Tatum yeah. gets, gets it going again, then you've got Evans to just make – I mean, you just said – or you didn't just say, but you said before the year that you were worried about the bench production, and it was specifically offense. It wasn't defense. Right. We actually didn't think that this team would be this good defensively, but all of that length and ability to switch has served them well, and they are a good defensive team, and you can't just chalk it up to Marcus Smart because he's not in the starting lineup. And all those minutes that get played, now will that defense take a drop-off without Marcus Smart? Of course it will. The dude is a dirt dog. He's the Kevin Millar of this team. He absolutely is contributing to those defensive ratings, but is he expendable? Yeah, he probably is expendable, and I and I love him, but they need scoring, and they need to take that offensive load off of Kyrie every which way that they can. He'd be kind of like a little bit of an Iggy here, don't you think? 
No, I mean, he's, he, I think he's much more of a scorer than Iggy is. I mean, certainly, I, but in terms of his role, I mean, he's, he's versatile. He, he can play one, two, three. Um, I think less one, but, but certainly in a pinch, he can do that. I think that, yeah, I mean, he's going to be, he's someone they can plug and play into it. Uh, I, I'm, I don't have any issues with his fit here. I think he'd fit well. I think it's a question of how much do you spend on somebody who's going to be here for four months, you know, and, how much you know? Do you think you have a chance to win a championship? And perhaps if the, you the answer out of Saturday know. night is that yes, you could win a championship, and it may be worth to use a late first rounder at most and a player you don't think is going to be here for the long haul to get that guy. And keep in mind, you still have the exception. This doesn't even address the exception. Right. There's still right. buyout candidates. This team can get a lot stronger and a lot more veteran savvy very quickly with two simple moves like that um, and change the complexion. So we'll talk more about it. We've got one more show. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just I, one one point, though, about that. The thing, the caution I have about any of that, the reason why the Cleveland Cavaliers are in large part the position they're in is because they've been in this position where they've been in contention and they've chosen to use future assets, draft picks, young yeah, players, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to go I'm out with and you, get a guy like this before. And so when you do that, no, no, it's not the same. Get to where the Cavs no, are much no. sooner because you don't have a bench. They're not yes, gonna, no, they're, listen to me. They're are you not kidding? Gonna, no, listen, exactly it's not the, the same. It's happened. it's happened to every great team. No. Yeah, this because they didn't. Listen, John, that's because they didn't start with a freaking glut of picks to begin with. Once they got their guy, they were already stripping it down and there was no value. There's still look at the 2010 the Celtics. Rock. Listen. But look at, look at the listen. 2010 Celtics and look I, how, look I how get quickly it. the cupboard went but bare. They weren't you can't this, ignore it. I can ignore it because that team wasn't nearly this young and nearly this good. So the window closed quickly. You can afford one pick to make your run, knowing that you've got an exception to use as well. I'm not saying you do it every year, year after year after year, but I am saying they still have a bunch of extra first-round picks in the future as it is, even on top of the one that they're going to get either this year from the Lakers or next year from the Sacramento uh, Kings. So I just I get what you're saying. But they haven't even come close to depleting the trough of first-round picks. You're right. Cleveland totally mortgages their future year after year, and I'm with you. But I think this is a year to gamble. I mean, remember, they won in the first year of the big three, right? Remember that. Remember that. And I'm saying I still think it's possible here. I actually think when these guys stick around and some of them get better over time and they realize how good they are, that's when it gets messy. Right now, everybody's hungry. They're new. They have passion. You bring in another guy. You get the DPE. You get Hayward back. And all of a sudden, this team is a force to be reckoned with. It's just a straight-up fact. It's worth it one time. (laughs) It's worth it one time. And there's still the sign-and-trade opportunity with Evans. That part you do still have. So keep yeah. that in mind. Yeah, I I just – I think that – I don't like using assets that are sure to be gone. And they this team has done so well in not squandering assets. This is – I agree. This After what I saw Saturday night, this is a team that you probably spend and you try to do what you can with it. It just, and it's it a late be, first it, round. So, I know, but you know, it's it's it's, 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 it's an RJ Hunter, dude. No it's an RJ Hunter. I don't agree this with that. over. It's an RJ Hunter. Listen, this is where we're at. We have <laughs> two topics left. I'm talking about a late <laughs> first round pick. Dude, a late 
the other late, night. Oh that was a late God. first rounder that was had no value, and he just killed them in the fourth quarter. Not everyone's gonna be Kyle Kuzma. Not everyone's gonna be RJ Hunter. I agree. Yeah. However, like this is those types of decisions are ones that teams make casually and have made casually to keep the run going. You got to keep it stocked from within. This I agree. Team is stocked so. already. Those other teams, yeah, they weren't stocked. This team is stocked quick, already. But we'll no, move on. We'll the, move all on. right. We will move on because we only have five minutes left. I'm going to only say one other thing. Speaking of being young and stocked, Tatum hit the rookie wall. And now I'm just going to say, and I, and I love our listeners, and I love the feedback on YouTube, but when we when we asked that question, we got lambasted. And then everybody else in media started saying, has he hit the rookie wall? And then in the game against the Warriors, they flat out called it. Tatum has hit the rookie wall. Now, whether it's baby mama or whether it really is fatigue or it's the broken pinky that he hasn't fully rehabbed from or whatever it is, he's hit a wall. It is the truth. And so I just want to throw that out there to everybody who kind of dismissed that on the last show because we got hammered for it. But now it's official. It's in the books. And just because we were the first, now we're not the only. Now we got to preview the week ahead. We've got five minutes. I went 3-0 and last week. I was really hoping for the Cavs. I could say 2-1. and I mean, for the win against the Warriors, I could say 2-1 and and everything's happy. But this is my preview of this week. Monday, we got the Nuggets. Wednesday, we have the Knicks. Friday, we have the Hawks. Sunday, we have the Portland Trailblazers. There's a night off between every single one of those games. I'm going to be at the Portland game on Super Bowl Sunday. First time ever taking my son to a Celtics game. Super duper pumped to go. His mom actually bought the tickets. And then I'm taking my mom and my dad and my son. So all I have to say, that's pretty sweet. We're going to go have a good time. Now, 4-0. Screw it. Whoa. Yep. Really? Yep. I called 3-0, and but I think that Warriors game gets him back on track, slaps him in the face, little controversy from Marcus Smart to wake up call 4-0. and That's what I'm calling. That's it. Wow. Swinging wow. for the fences. I, I'll tell you what, I, gonna I, be don't, fun. I don't hate it, though. I'll be honest. I don't hate it because I think this is a team right now that's going to find its find its mark and kind of refound its balance after a couple weeks after London. Um. Yeah, part of me wants to hedge with that with that Denver game. I think that's a tough game Monday night. Going to Denver, the already altitude. lost to him once. Already lost to him once. Absolutely, and that's a tough team. But I'm riding with you, man. Let's go, baby. Four and zero. Dice on the table. Roll it, baby. Yep. Roll those dice. Every baby. time you lose, you got to double down. That's the way you play. <laughs> if you've ever played blackjack, Box once card. you lose, you double it because eventually. You're going to get your money back. When you lose, lose big, and just keep on gambling. That's what I say. Speaking of DraftKings.com, double down. That's that. That's going to do it for this week's show. It will be on demand, available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And a reminder that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is extremely important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and for my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to another edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.